Psalm, the book of Psalms, please. And well, we're going to go to Psalm 147, and let's stand as we turn there. And as you're standing and finding your place, I'd like to ask those who has been contacted by Brother Justin to attend uh, the new members orientation in room 101 in the Berean Center. If you have been asked to uh, join that, please follow him uh, as he makes his way to room 101 in the Berean Center. And if not, you're here tonight, would you look around you please to see if anyone uh, is in need uh, of, of a Bible uh, or some outlines and notes. We want to make sure that everybody tonight follows along through the preaching of God's Word. We are so thankful that you're here tonight. If you're just walking in, Pastor is going to be back this weekend. So uh, please uh, be in prayer for him and his family as they travel. Tonight we're going to be in the book of Psalms, chapter number, uh, chapter 147. We'll read five verses and then we'll dive into the Word of God tonight. Now, I do want to say this before I uh, read the Word of God tonight. Uh, if you were not here on Sunday... Uh, and you didn't get a chance to listen to Brother Daniel Van Gelderen's messages on trials, I encourage you to go back on our archives at hbc.org and listen to those messages because they really were a big help to our church members who have been going through that. And you don't know, maybe just around the corner in 2019, uh, God may send a trial or your way to grow you, and uh, you might need that message tonight. And then I did also want to say that our message tonight will um, somewhat be intertwined with that. Uh, I told Pastor just last week before, uh, before hearing Brother Van Gelderen preach that Sunday uh, of what God was leading me into preaching tonight. And uh, it's just amazing to me how God is orchestrating behind the scenes so that we would all benefit uh, in, in this subject uh, that we're going to be talking about tonight. All right? Psalm 147. If you're there, say amen. You got to do better than that, all right, tonight? If you're there, say amen. amen. All right, sounds good. I hope that you guys are stay awake and be receptive of God's word. The Bible says in verse number one, Praise ye the Lord, for it is good to sing praises unto our God. For it is pleasant, and praise is comely or appropriate. The Lord doth build up Jerusalem... He gathereth together the outcasts of Israel. He healeth the broken in heart and bindeth up their wounds. He telleth the number of the stars. He calleth them all by their names. Great is our Lord and of great power. His understanding is infinite. Tonight, would you look at verse number two? And underline or circle or highlight the word outcasts. And in verse number three, notice the phrase broken. And then also in verse number three, look at the word wounds. Tonight we're going to cover this subject that I believe the Lord has directed me without a doubt to preach tonight, especially coming off that Sunday messages. I want to preach a message entitled, Scarred, Finding Healing for Your Wounds. Now, I was asking the Lord, Lord, are you sure this is the message that you want me to preach as I prepared for it a few uh, days ago? And I don't know who needs this message tonight or who needs it soon. But tonight, I hope that you will find whenever you're hurt, whenever you're wounded, when you have scars, that you'll find healing in God tonight. And I hope that it'll be a blessing and a help to you. So let's have a word of prayer. Let's ask God to bless this uh, message and the sermon. And they may God speak to your hearts tonight. Lord, we thank you for your word. We're just amazed at how you have consistently fed us the meat and the milk of your word. Thank you, Lord, that you give us exactly what we need when we need it. Thank you for this past Sunday where we were encouraged to trust Jesus Christ in our trials and in our dark times. Thank you, God, that you are a God who heals. You're a God who has infinite understanding. You're a God who cares. And Lord, tonight I'm feeling very inadequate to preaching this message, but I'm asking for your help. I'm praying, Lord, that tonight you would speak to hearts. I don't know who's hurting tonight. I don't know who's been wounded and who's bearing scars. But tonight, Lord, may they find healing in Jesus tonight. 
And help us, Lord, maybe who have not been wounded and we're not hurting, that we would be sensitive to minister to those who are, that we would take the balm of your word and share it to those who are grieving. Tonight, Lord, would you work in our midst, and we'll thank you for it. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for standing. You may be seated. Like I mentioned tonight, we're going to talk about scars, and scars are subjects that we often try to avoid. We try not to talk about being hurt or being wounded, but I think tonight as you study the scriptures, it's important to understand how to deal with your pain. Uh, tonight, I want to start off with a little bit of a humorous illustration. I want to play for you a video uh, that I thought was quite humorous and um, uh, just wanted to start off things a little bit light. Why don't we go ahead and prepare that and play that right now, and uh, we'll see what I'm talking about here. You poked my heart. Now look at the person beside you left or right and say, don't poke my heart. Say it out loud. Don't poke my heart. <laughs> I mean, a little boy like that, as innocent and sincere, experienced pain. Now to us, we laugh at that and they're like, yeah, he'll get over it. But in reality, when you grow up, there are things that you don't get over or that you have trouble getting over. Sometimes you go through life and you feel like you've been cheated, mistreated, wronged. What do you do when you find yourself wounded? How do you deal with your scars? Now, how many of you guys have a notable scar on your body somewhere someplace can i see your hand i have one okay many of you uh when i was i think i was about seven or eight back in the philippines um my family and i had some relatives and family friends over and i was introduced for the first time uh, a family friend uh who had two daughters and um one of their names was sunshine she was the younger and the older daughter was named apple and as a seven, year eight, seven or eight-year-old boy, I thought that was the funniest thing. And so I was being introduced to our family friends and says, Erwin, this is Sunshine and this is Apple. Now, Sunshine I was okay with, but for some reason, I thought Apple was just a ridiculous name. I said, Apple? Why would you name your kid Apple? Apple's not a name. Apple's something you eat. And I just laughed at this girl. And she took what was in her hand, a trumpet, and with the cylinder end, she took it, raised it above her head, and she struck me right across my forehead. That taught me to never make fun of a girl's name, all right? <laughs> and to this day, that's why I, I like to grow my hair out a lot so that you don't see the scar that's across above my forehead here. My dad, when he was a little boy, told me because uh, when I was growing up, I noticed that my dad had a scar on his eye, right, in the, right across to his eyebrow, almost to his eyelid. And I said, Dad, where'd you get that scar? And he said, well, when I was a little boy, me and your, my brothers, he grew up with a family of eight. I think he had like five uh, brothers and five brothers in the household. That's, that's a tornado ready to happen, right? It's chaotic. Uh, anyway, he, he said that we were playing and then the, in their farm in the, that he was growing up in, they had a goat. And the goat had horns. And they cornered this goat and uh, he's the eldest of the, of the siblings and he was trying to show off that he's not scared or anything like that, and he faced the goat head on. And they were just riding on this goat, and it was panicking, it was, it, was, it was wild, and the goat just had enough of it. The goat ran straight towards my dad. He ducked his head, the, the goat did, and then my dad just didn't move, I guess out of fear or anything like that, and he was hit right in the eye, almost caused him his eye, was almost blinded in one eye, 
and now he's forever scarred because of that guilt. Scars. Sometimes we think of scars and we think of the story that comes behind them and they're humorous, but sometimes they're not. When you study the psalm that we just read, Psalm 147, it's most likely that the psalm was written by a Hebrew who survived the Babylonian captivity. After their exile of 70 years, they were then brought back to Jerusalem and they were now able to witness the rebuilding of Jerusalem. However, when you think about this person's situation, when you place yourself in this man's shoes, you have to understand that being 70 years in exile is a troubling thing. Go back with me just a little bit, just uh, play with your imagination for a second and consider what he would have gone through there in Jerusalem when the Babylonians came to rip him out of his family. As a little boy, no doubt, he saw his parents ripped out uh, from his grip, uh, from his, uh, uh, from his uh, uh, distance, and no doubt that he, uh, as, a, as a slave to the Babylonians, was chained, and uh, he was brought to a land that he didn't know the language, he didn't know the culture, and he was maybe mistreated, or maybe had a lot of misfort misfortunes there in Babylon. Uh, could you imagine this man witnessing the death, or maybe of his siblings, or of his friends, or neighbors, as the Babylonians came? came in and 70 years in exile this man witnessed, 70 years in exile this man uh, faced and endured, 70 years worth of wounds, scars, and pain. And maybe not all physical, but definitely emotional, definitely mental. But when we read the Psalm, It's amazing how the testimony of the author is one who's not angry. This author, we don't read him being bitter or hateful. Instead, he, he says in verse 1, praise ye the Lord. For it is a good thing to praise, to sing praises unto our God. We read of a testimony of a believer in Jehovah who had peace and healing despite of the wounds that they experience. Now, let's ask ourselves tonight, what do you do when you're hurt? How do you react and respond? Where do you go? What do you do? What do you say? Can you be healed? Will you be healed? How? In this message, we're going to learn about finding healing for our wounds and what to do with your scars. And I hope that you're following your notes and outline tonight. We're going to look at four lessons about scars and wounds tonight. Number one, if you're taking notes, notice with me the notable reality. Verse number two of our passage says, The Lord doth build up Jerusalem, he gathereth together the outcasts of Israel. He healeth the broken in heart and bindeth up their wounds. Now I do have to clarify as we're going through our passage and message tonight that being in a trial or going through a trial, though oftentimes can be in relation to being wounded, trials and wounds are not identical, they're not the same, okay? Trials, are planned by God and they are structured by God in order to grow us spiritually, okay? But wounds, being scarred or wounded by someone, are often caused by sin that ends up hurting our spirit and our soul. God doesn't plan to hurt people, all right? But the reality is because of sin, because of the world that we live in, Pain, hurt, and wounds occur. Being wounded means you have been directly afflicted because of sin. Now, sin has entered into, into the world, and therefore, we can expect that the scars and the wounds of sins is a part of our lives, part of our society, and part of our world. All of us are susceptible to being hurt. All of us have the potential of being wounded and scarred. No one in this world is exempt from the consequences, the tragic consequences of sin. 
Now, you study the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. In fact, just study the book of Genesis. You'll find a lot of broken people. In Genesis, you'll find people who are wounded and scarred. I think about how Adam and Eve were scarred by their sin. Abel was wounded by, and, and even killed by his brother Cain. Abraham was wounded by Sarah. Jacob was wounded by Isaac. Esau was wounded by Jacob. Joseph was wounded by his brothers. David was wounded by Saul. Again, people after people, page after page in the scriptures, we find that the Bible is filled with wounded people. God, even in Isaiah, described that the whole nation of Israel at one point was wounded. I draw your attention to Isaiah chapter 1, where the prophet said, Ah, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a seed of evildoers, children that are corruptors. They have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked the Holy One of Israel unto anger. They are gone away backward. Why should you be stricken anymore? Ye will revolt more and more. Notice this, the whole head is sick, the whole heart is faint. From the sole of the foot, even unto the head, there is no soundness in it, but wounds and bruises and putri uh, putrefying sores. They have not been closed, neither bound up, neither mollified with ointment. And when you read that verse that God mentions how to describe Israel, I'm thinking about how this verse describes our world. In fact, this verse reminds me of America. You know, we live in a world filled with scarred and wounded people. Our country is filled with people who have been hurt, who have been wrong and mistreated. In 2017, 40 to 50% of married couples ended up in divorce. 2017 says that suicide became the 10th leading cause of death in the United States, meaning 123 suicides per day, 44,965 per year. In 2017, a total of 17,000 murders and non-negligent manslaughters were reported, 1,830 in California alone. Last year, 2 million homes were broken into with one out of every three residents being physically assaulted. We live in a world filled with hurting people. And as a Christian, I believe it would do us well to show more compassion. I believe as Christians, we need to be sensitive to those that are around us. When you go to work, when you go to school, when you go home and drive by your neighbor's home, remember that they could be hurting. They might bear a scar inside their hearts and in their life, and they may not show it, they may not tell it, they may not express it, but they're hurting. How wrong is it for us to try to minister without love? To go soul winning without understanding that the person you're talking to is hurting. And wounded even in churches people hurt even in Christian homes people get scarred this is the reality everywhere we look we can find someone who's hurting this brings me then to my second point the numerous reasons Where do the scars come from? There are several reasons to why someone would get wounded and scarred. I want to give them to you. And I hope that you'll follow along as we go through some of the passages in the scriptures tonight. First reason why somebody would be scarred is because of sudden adversities. Sometimes you get a scar because of accidents and adversities that come suddenly into your life. These adversities are unpredicted and they are... Uh, unanticipated events and scenarios. These are instances when a person makes a decision that un unintentionally hurts someone who is close to them. It's sad to admit, but the reality is scars happen because of collateral damage. I'm thinking of Psalm 55 verse 5 where the Bible says, Fearfulness and trembling are come upon thee, and horror hath overwhelmed thee. Isn't it amazing how one event can change your life? 
I remember interning at a church, and in the middle of my stay, I think we were, I was there for about three weeks. And I was enjoying it. I was having fun preaching and teaching at their school and going door knocking and all of that. And I got close to one of the staff members who was there who has been an intricate part. He's been serving there for several years. He is a key staff member, uh, wears a lot of hat, had a lot of responsibilities. In fact, he stayed on the church premise to make sure that a lot of things were kept, maintained, doors were open, doors were closed, such of that nature. And I remember in the middle of my internship, I woke up one morning and I got ready to go uh, meet some of the staff members and they were huddled together and they were talking. And I said, hey, what's going on? And they said, so-and-so, so, uh, so they gave the name, left, unannounced, just walked away. And when the pastor heard about it, when the staff heard about it, when church members heard about it, they were wounded. I know three siblings from Bible college who received news that their dad, who was a pastor, had committed suicide while they were at school. I know of another former pastor in the East Coast who I went to school with their children and their mother left the husband and their kids. Sudden adversities occur. And when they occur, they leave people wounded and scarred. There's the desertion of parents, the disowning of a family, the failure of a pastor, the forsaking of a friend, the denial of a request, the disappointment of an expectation, the breaking of a promise, the rejection of love. And sometimes we don't plan for these things, but they happen, sudden adversities. And then we think about the reason of spiteful attackers. There are several people in the Bible who have gone through a great deal of adversities. But when you study the man by the name of David in the scriptures, his adversities were not always accidental. They were intentional. There were people who attacked him personally and David in Psalm 38 verse 12 said, they also that seek after my life uh, lay snares for me and they that seek my hurt speak mischievous things and imagine deceits all the day long. It's unfortunate to say, but sometimes your scars come because somebody wants to hurt you. Now let me just say this. Don't be the reason why somebody gets hurt. Husbands and wives need to be careful with their words before they hurt each other. Parents, you better be careful how you treat and speak to your children before they get wounded in their spirit. Church members, be careful that you don't wound pastor. I'm saying don't be the reason why somebody is hurt and wronged and mistreated. Don't be the reason for somebody's wound and scars. It's an awful reality, but the truth is there are sometimes people who want to intentionally do you wrong. There are those who try to gossip and slander and raise false accusations against you. There are those who try to steal and rob from you. There are those who try to harm and even abuse. There are those who try to destroy you and to divide you. There are those who try to instigate fear and terrorize you. There are those who try to humiliate and embarrass. Spiteful attackers are real. And because of their attack, they can cause scars and leave their victims wounded. But then I find a third reason for scars. We see here that the scars may come because of sudden adversity. Scars may come because of spiteful attackers. But scars can also come because of sinful actions. How many of you guys have ever heard your parents tell you don't do that? You're going to get hurt. Mom and dad says, hey, hey, don't go there. Don't play with that. Put that down or else you'll get hurt. Proverbs 13, 15 says, good understanding giveth favor, 
but the way of transgressors is hard. It'd it'd be wise for us Christians to realize that sin is nothing to be played with. Proverbs 6.32 talks about a man who was flirting with sin, the sin of adultery, and it says, But whoso committeth adultery with a woman lacketh understanding. He that doeth it destroyeth his own soul, a wound or a scar, and dishonor shall he get, and his reproach shall not be wiped away. David said this regarding his sin in his life, O Lord, rebuke me not in thy wrath, neither chasten me in thy hot displeasure. For thine arrows stick fast in me, and thy hand presseth me sore. There is no soundness in my flesh because of thine anger, neither is there any rest in my bones because of my sins. For mine iniquities are gone over mine head, and as a heavy burden, they are too heavy for me. My wounds stink and are corrupt because of my foolishness. If you're sitting at church and you're thinking, hey, pastor's preaching just a little bit too hard here, and pastor is again talking about this and uh, not another message on this, and listen, pastor's doing that because he wants to avoid you from getting wounded. Teenagers, I want to encourage you to listen to your parents when they say, don't hang out with those friends or don't watch that thing and watch that show or be in that uh, website. They're trying to prevent you from being scarred and wounded. Sometimes we don't have anyone else to blame except for ourselves. Sin is like fire, it will burn. Sin is like a knife, it will cut. And Dr. Bob Jones Sr. used to say, sin always takes you farther than you want to go, costs you more than you want to pay, and keep you longer than you want to stay. I've heard of too many stories of young people being scarred because of sin. Too many stories of families being broken because of sin. Too many stories of marriages falling apart and leaving the husband or the wife wounded because of sin. I wanna encourage you tonight to take careful precaution for your steps. The Bible says there is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof is death. And so why do scars occur? Scars occur because of sudden adversity. Scars occur because of spiteful attackers. Scars occur because of sinful actions. Let's notice now thirdly the negative repercussions. What happens to someone who gets wounded and hurt? I remember I was in uh, Uganda uh, for a missions trip and uh, we were playing in this dirt field with uh, some children that we were trying to uh, invite to come to church. And there was about four or five of us interns at that time for that mission strip, and we were playing with probably close to 20 to 30 kids uh, there in Uganda, and uh, we were playing tag, right? And um, there was me and a bunch of my friends, and one of the friends that was interning in that mission strip was this big guy. Um, and now he's a missionary to Cambodia, and I'm thankful that God's still using him. But during that Uganda trip, we were like, let's get him, right? So I was like telling all those kids, get him, he's the biggest one, chase him. And then they were chasing him for a little bit, and then he got all tired, and he was like, no, chase Erwin. He's the fastest one out of all of them. Fastest because I'm smaller. Everybody else there was big. But anyway, they're like, chase Erwin. So I was like, all right, come chase me. And I began to run, uh, run around, and they tried to avoid them, tagging me. And then I remember just uh, I lost my footing or I stepped on something. I took a hard fall. And I remember scraping my elbows. Uh, and I remember to a point where it was bleeding. And it was, um, it was really bad. And I remember the first thing that the missionary told us. He said, Erwin, clean, clean it up. He says, take some alcohol and clean it up. Or else... It could get, what is it? Infected. If you let that wound sit, it could cause an infection. Now tonight I want to speak to those who maybe are hurting. That you be very careful not to let your wounds sit out in the open too long. Don't let your pain 
be left unattended. Don't let that pain harbor within you without taking care of it. If you do, there are some negative repercussions that could occur. One of the repercussions that could occur is insecure thinking. I didn't get a chance to read this yet, but Proverbs 18, 14 says this, the spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity, but a wounded spirit who can bear? And someone who has been hurt, someone who's been scarred, either by their own actions or the actions of another, if they let that pain and that wound be left unattended, it could easily cause an infection of insecure thoughts. Thoughts like no one cares for them. When somebody is hurt, all of a sudden they begin to think and rationalize or rather irrationalize in their thoughts and say, it's better for me to leave. Nobody cares for me in this church. It's better that I just leave. They think it's better for them to leave home. It's better for them to give up on their marriage. They become insecure in their thoughts and they fall into depression and anxiety, which is nothing short of a spiritual attack. They live in guilt and regret. They become bitter and angry at others. They think that everyone is their enemy and they cannot trust anyone. It's insecure to think that way. And in their insecure thoughts, they begin to try and find hope in other things in this world. They'll think that alcohol can help their pain. Drugs can help their pain. Relationships with other people could subside or even do away with their wounds. Anything that the world has to offer as a solution that does not include God is only a temporal band-aid. You try to fix your wounds and you try to fix your pain outside of God, they will only act as a band-aid to cover up. And then ultimately, their insecure thoughts could lead them to giving up because they think there's no hope. Insecure in their thoughts, but then they become indifferent towards truth. Now, I'm sure Pastor can testify, some of you who've tried to reach out to others, no doubt Pastor AJ working with teenagers, those who harbor their pain within start to become indifferent or apathetic towards truth. It's like in their mind, they live with mental chains and they become prisoners of their thoughts and there's no longer an advancement towards victory. They reject help that's being offered. They reject even the grace of God that has the power to set them free. I remember I uh, had a friend who, in my youth group, who was struggling with sin. And uh, their parents found out about it. And I don't agree with how the parents treated him. But the friend, my friend got hurt tried to run away, tried to take his life. And time and time again, we'd say, hey, come back. Hey, come back. Tried to visit, tried to share the word of God, say, can I pray for you? Tried to extend a hand to help. But then he became indifferent. To this day, he doesn't go to church. That's what happens when you let your wounds linger. God doesn't want your wounds to stay open. God doesn't want you to stay in pain. So we find the negative repercussions. Tonight, I want to go to our fourth and final point, and I'm thankful there's a fourth and final point, amen? (laughs) I want to talk about the nourishing remedy. Let's go back to our passage in Psalm 147. Again, tonight, I'm not sure 
exactly to why God would have me and lead me to preaching this message. I know that it's his will. But I'm glad that we could conclude our message tonight with the thought that God is able to heal. In verse number one of Psalm 147, praise ye the Lord for it is good to sing praises unto our God. For it is pleasant and praise is comely. The Lord doth build up Jerusalem. He gathereth together the outcast of Israel. He healeth the broken in heart and bindeth up their wounds. He telleth the number of the stars. He calleth them all by their names. Great is our Lord and of great power. His understanding is infinite. Jeremiah 8.22, Jeremiah is now ministering to the nation of Israel at their worst point. Remember, Jeremiah has seen many kings throughout his ministry. He's seen Josiah and the revival that Josiah brought in the nation of Judah and even Israel. But now on the latter end of Jeremiah's ministry, he is seeing Judah and Israel turn their backs against God once again. And he's seeing his nation, his people suffer because of their sin. And he asks in chapter number 8, verse 22, Is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why then is not the health of the daughter of my people recovered? Now those three questions are very important to study. Is there no bomb in Gilead? The answer is yes, there is a bomb in Gilead. And then the question there, secondly, is there, is there no physician there? The answer is yes, there's a physician there. And we find that the bomb in Gilead and the physician that Jeremiah was talking about was none other than God, Jehovah himself. But the problem was this. It says, why then is not the health of the daughter of my people recovered? He says, why? Even though if, if God is present, if God is a physician, if God has provided balm for their healing and balm for their wounds, why is not my people healed? It's because they resisted and rejected the healing of God. Tonight, I want to encourage you to not resist God's healing. Tonight, if you know somebody who's hurting, don't give them your opinions. Don't give them your advice. Don't give them a, 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 a savvy, uh, savvy words to try to help soothe their pain. What you need the, uh, to bring them to and what you need to do for them is bring them closer to God. And tonight we find here a nourishing remedy that any scarred or wounded person can find healing. Here we find first and foremost the wonder of a heavenly physician. Hey folks, tonight God is able to heal anyone. God is able to heal those who are hurting. God is Jehovah Rapha. He's able to heal any wounds. He's able to heal any scars. God sees your pain. God hears your cry. God understands your struggle. God is able to heal you. In uh, Filipino cultures, we have this joke regarding uh, Vicks Vapor Rub. How many of you guys know what I'm talking about here? Vicks Vapor Rub, all right? To the Filipino culture, and the Filipino people, that is the golden medicine. You have a headache, Vicks. You have a cough, Vicks. Your back's hurting, Vicks. You're dying, go to get Vicks, right? I think when, in Chinese cultures, they have like tiger bomb or something like that. Just an imitation of it. <laughs> okay, just kidding. Don't get offended. When someone gets cheated on, mistreated, slandered, wronged, they need more than just what the world provides. God is a heavenly physician. Hurting hearts can only be healed by heavenly hands. God says, I can heal. No matter how many scars, I can heal. No matter how deep the wounds, I can heal. You don't have to wait in line to see me. I can heal you right now. Ezekiel 34, verse 16, I will seek that which was lost and bring again that which was driven away and will bind up that which was broken and will strengthen that which was sick. But I will destroy the fat and the strong. I will feed them with judgment. Jesus is talking about, or God, Jehovah is talking about his sheep uh, who has been wounded uh, by wolves and even uh, pastors who have been negligent. And he said, I'll take care of them. I'll heal them. I'll care for them. I'll cure their pain. I'll, I'll help them be healed. 
In summer of 2010, I uh, visited North Love Baptist Church in Rockford, Illinois, Pastor Kingsbury. He's preached for us before. And in their ministry, they host and they have the headquarters for the, the Reformist Unanimous, which is not only an effective ministry used here in the United States, but even worldwide. We see many churches internationally using the program called Reformist Unanimous. It's a spiritually uh, uh, effective ministry to help those who are uh, struggling with the lifestyle of addictions, uh, gangs, violence, abuse, broken homes. And I remember that summer we were able to visit that place and meet some of the people who have found victory. People who've been scarred and wounded and broken. And we would hear testimonies of those who were in gangs and those who struggled for decades with addiction and and, and people who grew up being physically and verbally abused and all of them had the testimony that they found healing in God. Listen, if you're hurting tonight, Dr. Phil's not gonna help your problems. The three steps to recovery is not gonna help your problems. You need God in your life. In fact, we don't need less of God. We need more of God. Tonight, I wanna encourage you, if you need healing, to go and find yourself closer to the Lord. Go find his presence in your life. Seek him in prayer. Seek him through the preaching of God's word. Seek him in the studying of God's holy scriptures. Seek him in the counsel of the pastor. Seek God and his healing for your life. He's the balm of Gilead that wants to heal your wounds. He is the living water. He is the bread of life. He is God who's light. He is God who's love. He is mercy and grace manifested towards us this is god who's able to heal when you bring your wounds and your pain to god he doesn't say i'm sorry i can't help you i'm thankful to say that god says no come unto me come unto me come to me i'm ready to help you i'm ready to heal it doesn't matter what you've gone through it doesn't matter how long you've gone through that i am able to heal we have a heavenly physician and it's a necessary an essential part in our healing, to seek after God and to let God care for our souls. But then I want to take it a step further tonight to give us some comfort and to realize how dependable God really is. Our heavenly physician, but I want to take it to our next point here which is the wounds of our high priest you ever talk to somebody who's going through a tough time somebody who's hurting and sometimes without even thinking it through maybe you said accidentally and I've done this I know how you feel Now, if you talk to somebody who's going through that and you do know how they feel, then it's okay to say that. But the reality is, in most instances, we don't know how they feel. But someone does. Hebrews 4.15, for we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. You say, God, do you understand? God, do you know my pain? God, have you felt my burden? God, have you been wounded? And the answer is yes. Jesus Christ understands. Yes, God understands because he was wounded for you. Isaiah 53, 5, be, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. Why is it that God can heal us? Because he knows. If you feel like you've been rejected, God's been rejected. If you feel like you've been betrayed, God's been, be- been betrayed. If you feel like you've been abandoned, Jesus was abandoned. Jesus was scarred. Jesus was wounded. And he says, I understand what you're going through. Look at my wounds. Did he not tell Thomas to touch his hands, his side, and his feet? 
In fact, if you study the book of Revelation, chapter number five, the Bible talks about the Lion of Judah sitting on his throne, also in the same reference to the Lamb of God. But when you read Revelation chapter number five, referring to Jesus as that lamb, he describes Jesus as a lamb that has been slain. To this day, with a glorified body, even in the glories and the perfection of heaven, Jesus bears his scars. To remind us that even he was wounded. Tonight, if you're hurting tonight, I want to encourage you to get close to God. If you know someone who is wounded, get them closer to God. If you're a Christian and you're serving in a ministry that involves people, you cannot afford to serve them in the flesh. You can't just preach a message or knock on a door or make visits without actually understanding that they could be hurting, that the people that you're ministering to have been wounded. We look all around us. Believers, unbelievers, saved, lost, churchgoers, non-churchgoers, all around us, people are hurting, and we need, it is our duty to bring them to Christ or to bring Christ to them. I'm thankful to note tonight that we have healing in God. And I hope that tonight you find that God is a reliable source for healing. He's never failed. He's never rejected. He's never turned anybody down. He says, come. I am able to give you healing for your wounds. Let's pray, shall we? Lord, thank you for tonight, and I just ask that you would work. I trust that you have worked. I ask that you would please heal anyone tonight who's hurting. Heal the young person. Heal the elderly. Heal marriages. Heal families tonight. God, if we're going to have healing, we've got to go to you. And so tonight, Lord, may we seek you. May we cry out to you tonight. May we rely on you and on your grace to heal. Lord, if tonight anyone here is not saved, then their life is so scarred with sin. They may not even realize how deep they are in. And I'm praying, Lord, tonight that if there's anyone who's not sure they're saved and forgiven, that if they died, that they'd go to heaven, I pray that tonight they would call upon Jesus Christ who was wounded for their sins. And then, Lord, I pray for Christians who desire to help and minister to others that they would be more sensitive to the people that they are around and realize that they are people who could be hurting. And may you give them mercy and compassion to help. With your head bowed and eyes closed, you say, Brother Irwin, God spoke to my heart tonight. I'm healing. I need healing. I've been wounded. I need to get closer to God tonight. I need to find God's healing. Would you pray for me? With a raise of hand, I'd like to pray for you. Anybody like that at all? Thank you, I see that hand. Thank you, thank you. Anybody else? All right, if tonight you say, Brother Irwin, I, uh, I'm not sure that if I died tonight that I'm gonna go to heaven, but I wanna know how I can be saved. I wanna know how I can go to heaven. I wanna know how Jesus can save me. Would you pray for me? If that's you, would you raise your hand? That's it. I want to pray for you. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out loud. But if you're here and you say, I want to know how I can go to heaven, 
would you pray for me? If that's you tonight, can I pray for you with a raise of hand? Anybody like that at all? All right. Let's do this. Would you stand with your head bowed and eyes closed as the piano plays? Maybe you're here tonight and you want to just take a moment to speak to God. Talk to him about your wounds. Would you go to him tonight? Maybe you're here tonight and you say, God, would you help me to serve and minister with more compassion and care for those who are hurting? Help me not to minister in the flesh, but to minister in the spirit. There's a lot of hurting people that's closer to you, to you than you realize. And you may be the closest person that they can find that could bring them to God for healing and for help. Some have come forward and some are praying in their seats tonight. You do business with God. We're not in a rush. Pray for someone else tonight, if you would. Pray for someone that you know who's hurting. Call someone tonight. Let them know that you're praying for them. Maybe message someone tonight or tomorrow a Bible verse that could encourage them about the hope and healing that God can provide. Lord, thank you for tonight and thank you for your word. More importantly, thank you that you are a God who heals. I'm praying for those tonight who rose their hand and said that they are hurting. Lord, would you provide once again healing for their soul? I'm praying for every Christian, Lord, that they would minister with grace to help bind the wounded, to help make whole those who are broken. I'm praying tonight, Lord, for anyone who's not sure about their eternal soul and their eternal destiny. Would you, Lord, work in their hearts that they would even get saved today? Tonight, Lord, would you dismiss us with your blessings? Help us not to be soon, uh, help us not to soon forget your words. May we meditate on them. Help it to grow us in faith, and we'll thank you for this. For it's in Jesus' name we pray.